1: I know it's been a couple of weeks since uh, we did uh, LinkedIn Live and in all the different places we are in, but we got some really fun thing today. I'm going to be joined by someone that I've been like watching. I literally watched like maybe an hour of uh, his Twitter videos, a two-minute video. So fun, fun guy to follow. Uh, but Garrett Mergoot, he's the co-founder and chief executive officer at Directive. And we're going to talk about something that I am very curious about. How to advance SaaS search marketing with OKRs? Not just OKRs, so not just marketing, but SaaS search marketing. Because I know a lot of people consider, like, well, I'm not sure if search is as relevant sometimes, or it's too hard. I don't know how to measure it. Like, we're, we're really going to go in the trenches uh, here with Garrett because he has done some phenomenal things. And then uh, we're gonna we're gonna get back to just doing Monday and Wednesday lives. So we will go back, and we're gonna have another good friend of mine, Susan. Who's the torchlight, and they talk about this 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 idea of how how new marketplace has emerged for highly certified freelancers. So they're gonna be some really fun things to go. So um, there, are folks, joining in right now. Erica, good to see you. Colleen, good to see you. Matt, fantastic to to have you all. So let's welcome Garrett with, as always, the, his favorite pump up music. Divine Angel. How's that? It's perfect. It's perfect. I like the beat, but I can just go on with that beat. Like, you just keep going. That's awesome. So, Gretchen, well, so why that song? And, you know, what, what made you think about that as a as your walk of music?
0: It's just what I'm listening to literally right now. I've been such a hip-hop head. since like LimeWire and getting viruses on my computer. So the cool thing about, like, rap music in that community compared to other music communities is there's always new music. So if you're somebody who, like, likes new music, like, country, like, I like country, too, ironically. So two polar opposites. But they only drop albums, and it's, like, once every couple years. And so it's not always new music. And then hip-hop's, like, a mixtape every other Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, man, I I love just uh, songwriting, writing. It's like copy. It's like advertising, you know? It's kind of... Similar in that sense. So it's kind of cool.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I'll I'll tell you, this this is funny. I don't think many people have heard me say this before. but um, So I'm originally from India, and I came directly to University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Now, that's 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 a culture shock. I think it's a culture, culture shock because it's a complete, it's its it's its own country, if you will. And I fell in love with country music only because, only because. I could understand it. I couldn't understand hip hop at that time at all. So I got into country music, like, you know, I would listen to all these country and people should laugh. Like I could not see an Indian guy, you know, listening to a, a country music and, you know, and go to these things. So it's, it's just, just funny things. All right, folks, uh, we're going to get into a lot of things. So I'm just going to give a shout out to the folks that are joining in. Erica, good to see you. Uh, Matt, always awesome to have you, man. Uh, Michelle, she has been a, a fantastic... She has great questions. I'm looking for questions from her. Hannah, Lisa. So good to see you both. Uh, Nihal. So we're we're just going to go through like a whole bunch. And there you go. Michelle, you know Roll Tide. So that is awesome. Randy, so good to see you. So folks, I am excited to get into this because this is a topic that I don't know enough about. And I'll be very honest. So Garrett... Share a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to like oh, tell me from your childhood to everything, but share a little bit about what this is. Get into this topic a little bit more so people get a get a taste of it. And then we're gonna drive into trenches because this is not something that I feel is as popular, but I think it has tremendous business outcomes for organizations. So I it's one of those things. So talk about what, what we're about to jump into and a little bit how you got there.
0: Yeah. So Search marketing has widely become and is genuinely tactics. And everyone in it talks about tactics. Hey, what do I do for my title tags? If I change it from this to that, what happens? What do I do? How many internal links should I have? What keywords should I target? It's all very tactical. I think what you know, Sangram, through your experience, is tactics are great, yet if competitors have a strategy, you lose. You can do all the tactics in the world, but without strategy, it doesn't matter. And so what quarterly thinking does is it helps you get out of the plateau. So what I mean by that is, especially as an agency, so as an outsider, a lot of times you show up and there's always a big win. There's always something the client hasn't seen from your perspective. That's the value of an outside perspective, right? You you come in, you fix it, you get results, and then every beautifully smart client in the world says, oh my God, Garrett, that's amazing. What's next? And then you go, oh, let me get a bunch more tactics, but I already did my big one. And so growth starts to slow down. Mm. The client starts wondering, why am I paying these people every month? And the same thing, by the way, goes for in-house people. I think a lot of times in-house people, they come in, they're on fire, right? You start, you're the new marketing manager, the new CMO. You got this big vision, you got a big idea. You go hot for a little while. And once again, you get stuck. So yep. what quarterly thinking does? Is it allows us to have a structure from which a cadence from which to manage how we think about a problem, and so in this case, the problem is SEO or PPC, and so when you're looking at it, if I only have a week, so what happens is, is the window that you report within mm. is the window you feel you have capable of working with it. Mm. And so imagine this right? You have a client, you set up a weekly call. The, the point of the call is traditionally what was done, why'd you do it, and what's next? Mm. And so what happens, all your big ideas turn into little ideas because you can't get big ideas done in a week. You see what happens here? Yeah. And so what we love to do with directive is say, here's what we want to do on the quarter. And then here's how we're going to measure that with business metrics. So like, we'll work with somebody and say, cool, what's your North Star metric is what we call it, right? They'll say, hey, well, we want 500 MQLs." We'll say, great. Then we'll say, cool, that's our objective. And then we'll come up with some key results. Okay, so how are we going to get to 500 MQLs? Well, let's look at these little areas. Those become our key results. And then we try to drive a strategy that takes that we do over 90 days. In other words, a content idea that fits within this. A blog post you do in a week, you build a glossary over a quarter. What's hmm. going to have a bigger impact? Yeah. You see? And so you can start thinking bigger, getting more creative, and that's when you unlock potential. So you just need to change your, you got to zoom out a little bit. And that's where the real power of this comes from.
1: I, I love this, man. This is, I'm just making notes on some of the things that I'm going to dive into. And I want people to share how many of you actually use external, versus, like in-house uh, SEO um, specialty versus outsourced SEO specialty or, or partnered up with somebody agency. Because I think we can just start seeing what kind of questions can come in. And, and Garrett, like, You you, have been doing this for what? Since 2014 as as an organization, you've based it. Now you have offices, as I understand, in Orange County to L.A. to San Francisco to Austin to London. So you've kind of grown really well over the last few years. And and one of the things that I've learned about what you and how you've been putting out content out there around this is that it's very practical. It, it, it's not the fluff thing around like oh you got to create all these things. So for example, one of the videos I saw you you just did recently on Twitter was around like should you do a blog post or should you do something else? Should you stop doing a blog post? And I was like wait a minute, you you're probably you're as an SEO, I think the first thing I've ever heard anybody tell me is that you need to write more content. You need to write more content. You need to double your content. You need to triple your content. And I think your point, at least, what I was like, well not more content is not always a great thing for you. So can you double down on that? Because that is something that, that, that that is new to me. And that's interesting to me.
0: So remember we were talking about the, the intro called the mirror. Yeah. So this is the here, right? And the marketing problem we all have is we don't ever look at it. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is, okay, I'm guilty of this. Okay. I can't tell you how many blogs that I've written. And If I went like this, I'd be like, Ugh. right? Like, <laughs> And you go look at it and it's bad. And so my whole point on this is content, like so many SEOs are so worried about ranking, they forget if the content's even good enough to matter. Okay, so here's how 99.9% of organizations scale content. They say they want a calendar. Then they come up with a system for briefs to create a quality control with depth to want really strong briefs. And then they bring in people with no subject matter expertise. Right. And they turn out this type of content. Like, what's the value of ABM? Why is ABM important? But never, what's the next generation framework for ABM that goes from top of funnel and then goes to every pipeline stage? Because there's nobody who's not a subject matter expert that could talk about ABM advertising for Mm. funnel advancement. Mm. So what happens is they don't dedicate an actual resource who has subject matter expertise to their content efforts. They treat it as an afterthought. And so the people doing that, my honest perspective is if your blog post isn't so good that someone's more likely to hire you after they read it than before, you shouldn't post it just because traffic isn't the goal. Traffic's just some stupid measuring stick that people made up a while ago. Like it traffic doesn't matter. Nobody here, unless they're running an ad business, gets paid on traffic. And so what we really need is strategy, right? So like, what sales assets are you missing? Because if you don't have the sales assets, what's the point of getting the lead, right? Like, so it's actually being real about marketing and be like, look, I'm great at SEO, I'm great at PPC, but my real strength is helping you accomplish your business objective. I'll Mm -hmm. bring certain perspectives in, but I'm not going to steer you away from what's going to drive the most results. And if you can do that as a consultant and you put the client first, you honor them, and yet you leverage your expertise. Now, you're like what I tell my team is we need to be good at SEO, good at PPC, and amazing at marketing, finance, and sales. Because those are the things that move the needle. It's not, you're like, you, you're, you're, your actual SEO competency is commoditized. Everyone out there can do that. How many people can tie it into a bigger objective, think yeah. strategically, plan out over a quarter, and then measure it against the LTV-CAC ratio? Mm-hmm. And when you put that all together and you calculate payback period, you have LTV-CAC ratios, you come up with full bid modeling. Now, all of a sudden, you're you're an expert and you're valuable.
1: You know that that brings me to this this idea we were talking about before we started to record, which was what is your total addressable market, right? Yeah. And, and you had like like this, uh, so go back and do the whole thing again because I, I, I was just laughing out because I feel like I have made that mistake uh, when yeah. we started. Term It's like yeah. So how many how many customers can we get, or what's our total addressable market? And my immediate thought was. Yeah, it's, uh, it's at least $5 billion dollars worth of, uh, you know, easy. And then, you know, at least 10,000, you know, customers. And guess what? Five years into it, we just hit 1,000 customers. And we're like, all right, you know, it's, it's different, right? So it's the total addressable market question. Every time I've hired asked that, Garrett, I've never got a good answer from anybody who, who as a customer, would say, what is your total addressable market? It will always be way. How do you think about it? Oh well, yeah,
0: so here comes the mirror thing, right? So we're over here again.
1: And what we have to do is we have to like start so
0: much with common sense. So like someone will hire us, really, really amazing mid-market enterprise SaaS firm, right? Great product, massive marketing team. They have their own SEO person, they have their own PPC person. And, and everybody's different, right? But they want us to come in. They want to help us level up their thinking and their approach. And, and I'll say, well, how? and we'll look at the Google Analytics and they'll say, yeah, we've got 50,000 visitors. We want to get to 60,000. And I'll say, cool, how many people are in your ideal customer persona? They're like, what do you mean? I say, well, who's your ICP? They'll go, well, and they get two things wrong with ICP. Number one, how many of them there are and who it actually is. Universal, okay? So every marketer I've ever worked with believes that the decision maker Mm -hmm. is their ideal customer. And that could be not further from the truth. Their ideal customer is the person they work with. It's their point Mm -hmm. of contact. That's their champion. OK, so how many like so what happens is people think CMOs buy products. I'll tell you right now, CMOs don't buy Terminus. What CMOs do is they hear about Terminus and then they talk to someone in their organization, say, hey, go get me three quotes. I want one of them to be Terminus. Yeah. And then you all compete. So yeah. we don't need to market. We need to market to our users, the people who are actually uh, digitally. Every channel is different, but with digital, it's your champion. Okay. And so that person, we need to know how many there are. And we like to just come up with crazy numbers and we always want more. And so, so many marketers, especially in-house, they get into an organization and they're hired because something's not working right. And so, someone says they want more and then the marketer says yes. And that is the start of the problem. As in-house or an agency, they don't push back. So, what you got to do, you got to go to LinkedIn Sales Navigator. okay? And you got to ask some questions. So, if I said, Sangram, who's your ideal customer persona? Mm.
1: Yeah, ours is typically mostly demand gen. Uh, demand generation manager is the one who actually goes. Yep. So, there's about 8,500 demand gen
0: managers in the US. And then when you narrow it to over 50 plus employees, so you feel like they actually have enough seats or it could fit, there's about 3,000 right now. So, now I know that you have three to 3,500 demand gen managers in the US with over 50 employees in the SaaS space. And the beautiful thing about the demand gen title is in LinkedIn Sales Navigator, not everybody's listed under computer software. Like Mm -hmm. we work with Betterment, and they're listed under financial services. But demand gen is a title unique software. So it helps you kind of figure out how many companies are there. So right. now I've got 3,500 people. So I need 50,000 visitors. I need 3,500 of the right ones, And that's your gonna- like, that's the market that that is what you
1: like. I mean, I think just that math that you just went through right now. I, I mean, I want people to, to tell me like, are they going through that math right now? Just say yes or no, or something because the, the that is the map that I don't think I went through in full transparency in the early days of starting my business. And a lot of the marketers right now, I'm like, hey, Ted, Nishant, Remy, Michelle, I, I want Adam. Uh, I would love to hear from all of you saying that, hey, are you going through that map? And are you pushing back on the conversations that internally happen? Because I have not pushed back on that in my early days. Uh, now we have like sales team. I remember used to have. Thousand plus each rep. Each rep had over five hundred to thousand accounts in their name, and you're like, "Well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense." So now they have over, they have no more than hundred accounts in their names, and that is allowing them to be more personalized, more specific, and, and that's like ABM at its core. Uh, Matter so that math tells a lot. Now, uh, let me just bring one of the questions that uh, that um, Adam just asked is like, "How how should you evaluate?" if i'm a great i'm great, if i'm great on seo is it keywords search ranking organic search versus paid organic anything else people people people
0: people everything's people man everything in life is people because as an seo when you get to the highest level you have no control like so let's say like we do the seo for all state okay so we've been blessed we just ranked them number one for car insurance auto insurance homeowners insurance really cool right we've had them for about 4 years we do Anything on the website, we don't have access to go change the title tag. We don't have access to go update the content, right? Like, Allstate doesn't go, sure, directive, go in there and change stuff for us. Yeah. So, everything comes into relationship building of saying, cool, well, here's the dev that I need because this dev is loaded on JIRA. They've got 50 product requests that I know I'm going to get overridden on, but I just got to get this one thing live to hit my goals this quarter. Cool. I'm going to go kiss some ass. I'm going to take them out to lunch. I'm going to go build a relationship. Like there is nothing wrong humanly with being good to people so that you can get your ideas through. And so that part, then you've got the content person, the content person. Well, they have their own opinions of what they want to write. And they frankly don't really like your keyword strategy. It doesn't resonate with their brand or their audience. They say, how are you going to get over that? Just do more keyword research. Everything comes back to people. And so if you can get really good at people and then really good at financial modeling so that you can build the relationship and then prove the value of what you want to do, that's the key. There are a billion videos out there on keyword research, all these different things, and you can learn it. The thing you've got to be reading and diving into and challenging yourself, is around management, leadership, people, finance. If you ever want to make real money in marketing, your tactics are not what anyone's paying you for. It's your people skills. It's your management skills. It's your sales skills. It's your finance skills. It's everything but what you probably think it is. If you're focused on SEO or PPC,
1: oh man, I can play that on repeat over here because the all right. Here's here's another one. I I know, like Michelle is saying that we we suck with SEO. Well, I felt like we all suck with SEO. But you you had a video. If correct me if I'm wrong, you talked about the book that you haven't published, and you said that hey, I want to like search or SEO is about brand or website as opposed to traffic or something like that. Could you, could you double down on that? Yeah. Yeah. So what's happened is
0: I call it the Yelp and the Amazon effect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And these companies completely changed everything about marketing, especially purchase intent, which is the most important part. So initially, right? 1997, people hear about this internet and they say, cool. I want to get on the internet. And why did they want to get on the internet? Because they wanted to be discoverable for the product or service they sold. And so they asked smart people and they said, Hey, if I want to show up for the product or service I sell, what do I need? Mm. And the universal answer was, you need a website. Mm. And then Yelp and Amazon came along. And what they did is they said, Hey, directive, you say you're great, but I, as a consumer, don't even trust the $5 breakfast burrito anymore without going on Yelp. And I'm going to give you $250,000 to do my search marketing. I wonder what other people say about you. Mm-hmm. Hey, Amazon, every day I go on there and I look at reviews and I've been trained to value a product based on what other people say. On it. Well, then let's fast forward just a little bit. A little organization called Gartner comes along and they say, huh, there's this Captera site out there. There's a software site advice site out there. There's this GetApp site out there. What if we bought these and built it in our ecosystem? And so what we found, and this is what Google found, is when people have purchased intent, so they take the keyword ABM software and they modify it by top, best, or reviews. These are going to be your most expensive keywords on Google Ads because there's purchase intent. Individual websites no longer rank. So if you search top ERP software right now, if you search best day trading software, if you search top accounting software, you find QuickBooks. You don't find zero. You find PCMag, FinancesOnline, Business.org, GetApp, Software Advice, G2 Crowd, CapTerra. And so, if your idea is that you're going to build bottom of funnel product pages, to rank for ABM software, you're not. And so, SEO becomes a part of this other game that says, can I generate awareness? Mm. Right? So, at the top, I need to show, add value. Right? And so, this is where people are going away from, hey, download our asset to join our community right? So we want to go deeper. We want to go from one-way value creation to bi-directional value creation. Instead of me saying, here's what I can do for you, I want you to ask me and be able to say it back, right? So that's the top of funnel. The middle is prove it to me. So what if people who hired my, your ABM platform, what they have they accomplished at similar titles or similar industries? To me? Perfect. And then lastly, what are other people saying about it? And if you can understand that whole thing and then get the fact that the awareness part now stops at the first, in other words, it used to be I had to send you ads to make you aware that something for ABM existed, and then you would go to my website. Now you search best ABM software, and you go to evaluate. So evaluate has replaced awareness, and so if we don't have that positioning, we can't capture it. We're not discoverable, and so the game is now about positioning your brand to be discoverable, not your website.
1: Fascinating. I mean, I'm I like I, don't, I have never ever heard that before, and you know, I'm seeing I'm just saying like, "Hey, top." Best in reviews and thank you. So wait a minute. Are you saying to all organizations right now that stop wasting your time, money, energy to try to rank for your keywords to be on the top of the Google page one?
0: I'm saying be aware of what you can and can't do. And people are acting as if, if I got more links, if I made my content better, if I made my site speed faster, if I improved my design, I could rank for this. But the truth is, is there are actual bottom of funnel queries in software that your website will never rank for. After working with over 300 plus SaaS companies doing this all day, every day for the last four years, I can tell you it's not if you're smart or if you're bad or if you're good or if you have bad content. It's none of that. There are actual queries when you have purchase intent at the bottom of funnel where Google is saying we want third party unbiased websites to show up. Because that's what users want. Users want peer review, other people's opinions, not what you say about yourself. And so it just depends. Every query is different. But the key is to get out of your tools and into your customer's shoes and start to experience their journey. Start to search what they would search. Start to humble yourself and say, okay, if I did look, and I, I call this a three-tab test. Well, okay? yeah. so if I did my research and I was going to look at three different products, I had three tabs open, whose product would I perceive was the best? from the website. And I call this perception is reality, right? People don't think, oh my God, your website's terrible. Your product must be better. Like that is not how anyone in the world thinks. So if you have three tabs open, which of those three tabs unbiasedly wins? And if you can't say you win yet, that's yeah. where you got to focus.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love that, man. And I, I think for us, it, what has been really interesting is you mentioned all of these websites. G2, for example, has been one of our greatest source of net new demand. Yep. Uh, we are ranked number one on many different categories in account-based execution. Da, da, da. And and I always get pissed off. Is like, man, we create like we do flip my phone podcast. We I put content every single day on our website, myself, the team, all that stuff. But we still don't rank number one on, on Google. And it pisses me off. Like I'm like, yep. because that my history is that that's how you measure success. What you're reorienting me is like, that's not how you measure success. What you're saying, well, that's great for your brand and all all that stuff because you're doing long tail. Maybe you need to create more content that is more middle and down the funnel. So when they land on your website, they're not wondering what is ABM at that point, right? They are saying, Terminus is all one of the people that we're going to choose from. So better tell me what you're really good at very quickly so that I can make my decision. Don't waste their time with another top of the funnel information on the website. Is, am I getting that right? hundred percent. I
0: think there is so much, marketers have been tasked with more and not better. And it's, a, it's the biggest issue. And so what I mean by that is I'm guilty of this, right? I go to my team and I said, how do we get more MQLs? Yet, if you actually do the math, there's more leverage increasing MQL to SQL than visitor to MQL. And I call these ratios, right? So you want to drive your MQL to SQL ratio more than you want to drive your visit to MQL yeah. because there's more leverage and, it, and it's more efficient and effective, especially on your LTV CAC model. It's like getting people to sign up for your trial. You don't like essentially cost per acquisition has, is, has fixed in certain areas. Like you mm-hmm. cannot increase your conversion rate from your Google ads to hundred percent. And so you get stuck. You also can't lower your CPC because it's an option. But what a lot of people don't do is they don't realize that if you do the math, there's actually more leverage getting your free trial to purchase rate up than there is trying to decrease your cost per acquisition. And so, in other words, activation has more leverage than acquisition. And as a search marketer, if you can be real about that, that makes you powerful. Because there's not one of my competitors that has the confidence to actually be real about what happens financially and in math around the business. They just want to help the clients get more and more. But that doesn't drive net new revenue the same as getting people further through.
1: Yeah, I, I remember I shared this story before. So some of them might have heard uh, this one, but, which was when I was running marketing at Parlot and at, at Salesforce, we closed over uh, like I think 30,000 or not closed. We had over 30,000 leads or something like that that month. And we hit every record that quarter um, that was there to be. And we were rejoicing and all that stuff. And I remember my counterpart on the sales came to me and said, Sanger, man, that's fantastic what you and your team did. Uh, could you generate a thousand more leads next month? And I just yep. sank in my seat. Yep. Like It was nobody's business. Like that day, I realized that I am no better than a coin-operated lead machine. If yeah, lead no, no, this path. It's and- hard for us too, right? Because we work with a lot of private
0: equity-backed or VC-backed firms, and we'll hit every quarterly target. Like the team here is genuinely very, very effective at hitting a business at goal, right? Like there's organizations I'm sure that are better at technical, better at link building, better at content. What we're good at is you say, we want X amount of business KPI. We hit it. That's what we're good at. Yeah. The hard part is, is you always need more. So you hit that in Q1, they want this in Q2. And sometimes the budget is less in Q2 than it was in Q1. And so I think that's definitely the hard part in marketing right now, for sure.
1: I hear you, man. All right. So let's get through some of the comments and questions that we're seeing. I love the fact that people are over here from LinkedIn and YouTube. And a lot of the folks are from uh, from the private community that, uh, that you know, peak community that, that we have started to build. So, and uh, Nihal is saying that we're also spending money on Captera Like that is something that I'm seeing more than anything else right now. Um, this is Sean. Sean has mentioned, like, be aware of what you can do and can do. I've heard this before for sure focus on long form keyword ranking that that'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that is like it, because people want the results tomorrow or like or yesterday and we seo is a long form and every time the marketer changes the agency changes It almost feels like you're rebuilding from the very beginning and yeah. it never feels like you actually made any movement. every time there's a in my entire experience of like 10 15 yeah. years as a marketer it's like okay you come in you bring in your own agency or a, a person who's good at that. They say, oh, everything that the other person did is wrong. And then you restart. And then you're like, okay, six months later or a year later, you're like, okay, well, somebody else comes in. They're like, oh, here, here we are. are. Yeah, right? Like, so this whole idea of long-form rankability, like how do you see that working? How do you, because I'm sure you face that problem all the time with your customers.
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that's so important is to have a mantra. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what I mean by that is you need to have some backbone as the in-house marketer to set the vision because there's a lot of transactional stuff that happens. You bring this agency and they want to say this. You bring another and they say that. But if you have a fundamental belief system that says, here's what we believe at Terminus. We believe in X, Y, and Z. Now I want you to tell me how I can do better with X, Y, and Z, not how I can change it because this is part of our long-term strategy over the next 36 months that we're executing because we want to go become a platform company and do acquisitions, or we want to get acquired, right? And so we have to take this long-term vision of the CEO and then say, here's our long-term vision of marketing that matches that long-term roadmap. And then we're not going to get swayed by the tactics of today, right? Because one day long form's hot and the next day short form's hot. But guess what was important the whole time? If we created more valuable information for our customer that differentiated our product from the market. Because what I found is people don't pay more for better, they only pay more for different. And so mm. many people come in and they want to do better, they don't want to do different. And so when you do better, what happens? You increase your customer acquisition cost and you decrease your gross margin, which then decreases your payback period, becomes cash absorption because there's diminishing marginal returns from better a lot of times. Mm. Like you don't realize that like you can't just have infinity juice out of a lemon like you run out of like have you ever squeezed a lemon and there's nothing uh, left
1: it stops at one point <laughs> yeah.
0: and so the core thing here is having a mantra and a belief system that is a long-term vision number one and then number two is you need fully financial modeled LTV CAC and yeah. that allows you to normalize investments so for me one of my favorite things in the world is I can look and say if I had thirty thousand dollars where would I allocate it and I can put it in any channel I want. And I actually have, um, today I'm doing a webinar with Search Engine Journal, and I'm sharing all my templates. So if anybody wants to get them for free, I have them in the PowerPoint. And I can say, if I throw 30,000 here. What does that net me out? 30,000 here, what does that net me out? And all of a sudden, you can start to see what gets really, really stressful when you get good at this is you'll find that certain channels you couldn't even spend more in if you wanted to. They have diminishing marginal returns. And so the long short of this is it's not about like any individual part of your SEO, it's could you fund your SEO better? Yeah. How how does funding headcount in SEO drive value compared to doing it in PPC? How does that align with your long-term strategy? Does everything you're doing drive value to your customer? And from that process, you'd be like, yeah, we want to do long-form. Or no, we believe in short-form. Because if you make it less about what you're trying to do and more about how it helps your customer and fits in your long-term vision, it becomes less about tactics and more about strategy. And that's a really powerful place to be.
1: It is so tactical in, in many places right now. Uh, folks definitely are loving and and so at document like perception, reality. That is really really important to know that you got to set the right expectations. Uh, this is Nihal also again and makes it up, but our deal size is very small. I'm assuming, and how can I tackle this situation?
0: Yeah, you still have to get your deal size to the point where you can advertise. Okay. Yeah. So in my LTV CAC thing, I have what I call a modeling section, and that allows you to model out the unit cost. So what I call this is you have a lot of times people build a model that says, okay, how much does it cost to get 40 customers? But they never build it to how much does it cost to just get one? How much can we pay for one? And so what I like to do is I try to take my unit cost and say, what can I pay to get an LTV CAC of three on one customer?
1: Yeah.
0: And you have to then it funnels, right? So then it goes to cost per mQL. And then all you have to do is run an experiment and you can work with a Google rep or even a Facebook rep on your own and say, hey, what's the lowest I could realistically get my CPC here? What's the highest I could realistically get my conversion right here? And then if your math doesn't work where you can't advertise on social or bottom of funnel or on a review site, then you got to figure out how to raise your rates or extend the lifespan of a customer. Hmm. Because if you're entirely codependent on blended LTV CAC and you can't have like a raw LTV cap from paid, you're going to have, you're you're never going to be able to grow your product and no one will ever fund you because if you go to get funding, they're going to say, well, cool. How are you going to allocate the capital to go get net new users? And if you say word of mouth, they'll say, but how do you generate the word of mouth of the money? And you won't have an answer. And so you got to make sure your price and your financial modeling makes sense first and foremost. And then you can get your tactics, right? Once again, strategy guys, strategy eats tactics for breakfast all day every day yeah and so that, that's kind of the key here
1: yeah and i and i think for 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 what i've seen just being at Terminus and others is the idea of like brand actually what is really what drives demand so think about when you think about strategies you're mentioning i love the quote from peter drucker uh, around strategy. you know tactics for breakfast it's so true and if you start building the brand in the right way, I think people would start following up, people still going in. And then you use their SEO to actually convert them at a much higher value is what we have seen. Our deal size, like most people don't know this, so I'll just shade and don't share with anybody. It's live, but don't share with everybody. Just keep it, keep it quiet. The first deal at Terminus that we sold was for 250 bucks a month. That was mine. My <laughs> first deal was 250 bucks a month. Right? And I didn't even know what to say. So I had to put the customer on mute and ask my partner, like, hey, what should we sell this for? He said, you're the marketer. Come up with it. And I said, 250 bucks." He said, sounds good. And I unmuted and said, hey, Gretchen, 250 bucks a month. And that was the very first deal, like, five years ago. Don't ask that to a rep right now, please. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll kill me for it. But... That was the very beginning. And now the size deals are obviously way more different. And you have to go up. You start somewhere. But at that time, if I were to go and start SEO, like traditional SEO, meaning write blogs and write stuff, I mean, we'd be going nowhere from that. Um, Let's see what Ted, Ted is a VP of marketing and um, really, really smart, smart guy. He's saying, is there any meaningful ROI for SEO for service industry companies? Any more based on what you're saying?
0: So, like, for, like, my agency and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, so to answer your question, Ted, it really depends on how you price. Okay, so um, I don't, like, just say all this stuff. Like, we spend – I get to run growth at Directive, and I get to spend a good amount of money on it, which is kind of fun. So I get to have, like – we have a full SDR team, AEs, marketing, the whole thing. And we ranked number one for SEO agency for almost three years before niching into SaaS. So, I mean, we were number one for our kind of bottom of funnel query. Ton of value there. Very, very value. So yes, there is definitely meaningful ROI for SEO. Now here's where it gets a little tricky is when your brand grows, people don't update their strategy historically fast enough. Okay, so here's what I mean by that. All my old content wasn't entirely SaaS centric. It was still generic. I hadn't niched yet. Well, going and back and updating six years of content is tough and we haven't done it fully yet. So a lot of those people and the message you're communicating doesn't fit with the product you're selling today. That's one issue. Another issue how much are you charging? We are a more premium vendor and we're proud of that. Now, conversely, that means you. the issue with SEO compared to, let's say, um, social, because even Google Ads has the same problem, is I can't layer it with firmographics. So I can't say I only want people who have over 100 employees or over 50 employees with these titles in the software space to search for SEO agency, and then I wanna be number one, right? So everyone searches for SEO agency. And then let's say I only serve 3% of those who are in software, and of the software companies, I only serve 1% of those companies to our price. And so it's not that SEO doesn't work and I'm not driving more traffic and all these things, it's that it's not creating incremental revenue. Hmm. And so what you have to understand is, could I get to that point? And you could. So if I were to start Directive fresh today, which is kind of the way we're treating it in our brain and restart with more figures, diagrams, frameworks, and more high level, think McKinsey type assets and material in my blog. Hmm. I could definitely do more from SEO than I can do today. We're going through this whole revamp process now. The question is, do I need to revamp my blog posts or my 20 case studies? And the the answer is always 20 case studies because you create leverage across AEs, SDRs, marketing automation, and as well as direct traffic and brand that you're generating from being years in the industry. And so, yes, there is a real meaningful ROI. We charge great money on this and we make people a ton of money on SEO. So, it's not that SEO doesn't work, it's that SEO doesn't work like 99.9% of the people say it does. And when you get really real about that, that's when you get to drive millions of dollars for SaaS firms and for service firms. You just have to be wise about it. Like organic and direct. Drives millions of dollars for directive every year. It works. It just doesn't work like you think it does, I've found. And you just got to be really humble about it.
1: Yeah, man, that's a great answer. That's a great response. One thing that I have seen, I'm curious if you feel uh, that it, it actually supports each other or almost complements each other, or it's, it's a lot of people look at that, I feel as competitive, which I don't think it is. So inbound, or SEO, pay-per-click, terminus advertising, like account-based advertising, let's just say, yep. are these different channels to compete with each other? Or are these channels to complement each other? Because my thesis is that if you're doing this, for example, every organization I've ever worked with, the outbound efforts drive inbound. Okay. every time and and but they don't look at it because they have two separate teams working on it and they're like well that was our out- in that's we got great inbound well, where did you get great inbound from because of all the outbound things that your reps are doing that the channels are running and all this. so i have this conversation with a lot of organizations hey our inbound is great but our outbound sucks now because we're doing account-based for example i'm like no i mean what are you doing different and i never get a good answer so i'm curious in your because you are looking at it at all of these channels, and I've not met a whole bunch of people who have done all these three different channels or more than these, and do you see them helping or hurting?
0: They all help. There is no... Here's the craziest part, okay? And this is the dirtiest secret of SaaS.
1: Let's bring it on.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we work with some really cool companies sometimes in the SaaS space, and they have massive databases, okay? And they use first click attribution. So let me walk you through the two different attribution models and how it kills every SaaS marketer in the world. Right, I love this. Yes, please. So if you're running growth and you're the chief revenue officer for a Vista-backed company, I'm not going to say any names, but and we've when we work with these people all the time, and they bring them in, and they go into Zoom Info, and they do some basic math. They say, "Cool, I could." Generate leads for the seven deadly sins of X. Every SaaS company has one of these at $17 a lead from uh, newsfeed. Mm-hmm. Or I could, it has no purchase intent, right? Because if you ever have called one of those people 20 minutes after they download, nobody's read that thing. There's no purchase intent. Yeah, no know.
1: Idea. What are you, you even talking about? They get annoyed. Yeah.
0: Right. So the chief revenue offer says, or I could buy hundred thousand credits on zoom info at 33 cents a credit at scale or only 10,000 credits at a dollar a credit. So, I could have got that same lead with the same purchase and said for a dollar instead of $17. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a dollar. So, what do they do? They, they map out their accounts and then they enrich their accounts. Then yeah. they buy directly sync that from Salesforce into Marketo, HubSpot, Cardot, et cetera. Okay. Yeah. So, now think about what's just occurred. You have put the entire database into your marketing CRM yep. and then attributed it to Outbound. And then SEO comes along. And theoretically, many CMOs are then tasked with generating net new leads from channels, even though they're fully enriched. Yeah. And so if you report on first click, you cannot overwrite. So remember, I downloaded that. Now, the CMO of Oracle is already in the database. Yeah. Then I do my SEO. The CMO of Oracle, Oracle reads the why is X more important than Y. Yeah. downloads the asset from organic, but then marketing gets no credit because they already existed.
1: Oh, I love this.
0: This part is killing me. Now, simultaneously, you've got the opposite side where people only do last click. Hmm. And so on last click, people have done all this amazing marketing. they have running account-based advertising. They're doing sales development. And the SDR has been calling this poor bastard for like 30 months, twice a week, Forever, and then they finally search the brand name, click on an ad, and yep. PPC gets credit. Yeah. And this is universal right now.
1: Happens in every company.
0: every company. Every company is doing this one bad or that one bad. And all we need to do is move to U or W bit or position-based attribution, where we can start to actually look at it honestly and start to give people a little bit of credit. But until we do that. You're underreporting your numbers as organic because everybody's already in your database and you're always underreporting or you're always overreporting and then nobody trusts your numbers. So until we fix that, that's the biggest actual issue today in marketing is attribution modeling.
1: That dude, I love that. Love that. Folks, like that part, attribution oriented stuff where people are so much into like who gets credit. If you, I, think, I don't know who said this, like, but if you're okay not taking the credit, you can actually have great outcomes. That is so true. Uh, and, and marketing, I think we all know, that our job is to drive business either incrementally or exponentially. That's how that's how we get paid. If you don't do that and if the sales numbers drops, you're going to get fired anyway. So drop that, drop trying to get paid for everything, try to build these things up. So. All right. We, whoa, this is fantastic. So I'm going to, I'm going to, there were so many other things we wanted to get into, but we totally got into the, the nitty gritty and, and trenches of it. So it's really cool. Uh, people are loving it, by the way, you got fun And folks follow Garrett either on both on LinkedIn, uh, but especially on Twitter, because I literally spent, as I said, an hour watching his two minute videos and they're, they're gold. They're really good. They're good. Awesome. So thank you so much. Ted uh, just said, "Man, makes sense for what you what you shared as well." So is New Hall. Uh, Lisa Brande is my baby, my favorite mantra. I know, me too. Uh, talking about like first click attribution versus uh, leads map. account. I think this is this is real issues, and so I want to really dig deeper in. And so I like hopefully in our, our in our private community because I think this is where a lot of marketers are having trouble. And yet, like you can you can just see comments they're folding. And so when you get a chance. Just go in and just, I'll send you a link so you can comment back uh, later on. Get it. So here are the, the three big takeaways or maybe two because I'm going to write all these things, but I want people to remember. And then I want you to finish off with the challenge to every marketer listening to this and thinking about search marketing. All right. So number one, I love when you said that marketers are tasked with more, not better. And I think everybody needs to go back and look at like, do I have more to do lists? Or they're doing better and have the backbone, as you said, to to really prioritize. You're not talking about anything more magical here other than saying you gotta prioritize what you're gonna work on if you wanna get it better. Something that I will tell my 10 year old son, something that I will get told every day from our customers, it's something for you gotta do for your job. So more is not important and and what you need to focus on is better. What you also said that you get paid for being different. And I think you get paid or, or I think you get noticed when you're different. So there's a lot what, what marketing needs to do as opposed to overthinking around a lot of other things that you do, like one ebook or three blog posts and all that kind of stuff. Then you also mentioned that, hey, look, you, you mentioned around activation as something marketers need to really think more about as opposed to acquisition. That's a big takeaway if you're thinking through this, is that what are you, how are you activating your sales team is how you actually close more deals, not how many leads you acquire. I've done that. I've played that game. The more leads you acquire doesn't necessarily mean more revenue you get. But if I, the more activation I do on the sales side, I've totally seen correlation of how, many, how much more revenue we get. So I think that's a big, big one. And then you talked about this a lot. And I think I would love to see the slide deck if you could share. I'll share that in the private group uh, later on uh, around the financial model of LTV to CAC and how all that works. Because I don't think that's in the vocabulary of most marketers. Most marketers are probably just looking at number of downloads, number of visits to the website, and, and conversion ratio at the most. Uh, they're not going all the way to the LTV CAC in order to have that intelligent conversation with their CEO and CFO saying that, here's why we should stop doing this, and here's why we should start doing that. So if you're cool with that, I'll love to share that deck later on in, the, in, in, my, in my group. So there are a lot more. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to draft this up and share that later, but Garrett... What is the one takeaway or one of the big big challenge you want to share with everybody listening to this right now?
0: Yeah, so like I'm trying to go through a challenge right now. You know, I, I never had the blessing of working at like Salesforce like I. Like I came straight out of school. I did like my degree in three years, I did my masters in a year, and I just started a consulting firm and I taught myself everything and brought on a co-founder it was my best friend since high school. But I think my my big challenge is. I have a little mantra called learn, engage, create. Okay. And the mantra believes, and my honest belief is that if I can learn something new every day and engage with it, this is really important, not just do something, not like engage with it, like truly implement it into my life. I can create more value for myself and for my customers. Mm -hmm. And so learn, engage, create. And so what I love for everybody who's take a book, go find a book, go ask people, go find a book. For whatever that big thing that your challenge is today, I would encourage you to pull your head out of your butt, stop trying to solve it yourself and go get a book on the subject and read the whole book. Don't stop, read the whole book and then go back to your largest challenge at hand. And I promise you'll have answers. I mean, I just got, I read both these books yesterday, well, and the day before, it's like 250 pages. And now I know how to solve my problem. Before that, I didn't have enough information. I'd never done it before right? And so my challenge to you is learn, engage, create, whatever you're stuck on, stop trying to solve it yourself, humble yourself, back away, read as much as you can on the subject, come back and you will definitely be able to solve it. Guaranteed.
1: I love this, man. You talked about books. So this week in the group that I just talked about, the, the peak community, everybody's reading this book, uh, Brand Intervention, because it was like, I don't know if you've read it from David Bryant. It's really, really good. Um, and it's actually you can you can do it in so much because the font size is that big it's ridiculous. But it has stories and examples around it. So he did a really good job of how he and how he think about brand. And what we're doing is in the group we're actually bringing him to do a private session with everybody in the, in the community saying that, hey, let's read the book together and let's get the author of the book. And now let's just ask, because he's going to show some behind the scenes, the things that he has not in the book. He's like, here are the new things that I'm working on and how brand works. But your thought around read on a topic, there's enough written on almost every topic in the world that you can find, and then try and engage on it and create something out of it. I love that, brother. That's really, really good. Garrett, thank you so much. How can people reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, if
0: you're a SaaS marketer or an enterprise organization, you want uh, some help on SEO or PPC, love to take a look, see if we're a fit. Um, if not, I'm always on Twitter. I'm always on LinkedIn. I uh, love to chat. Uh, I try to create a lot of content uh, to help you and I have fun with it. So feel free to en- get in- engage and interact. And yeah, love to hang out with y'all online or offline.
1: That's awesome, man. I'll send you the link for for you to engage because a ton of questions we didn't go through and I will follow up with you on that deck. So I I think people need to really understand the CAC LTV and how does that impact the business? So that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. See you next Monday and Wednesday at 9 a.m. We'll continue the show. Thanks, Yara. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.